Hi, this is Pastor Jim. Thanks for joining us for this week's message from Riverside Church. I believe you will be inspired and blessed by the Word of God. We'd love to welcome you to one of our services next time you're in the Brisbane area. If you'd like to know more about us, go online at www.riversidecc.org.au or like us on Facebook to hear about up-and-coming events. I hope you enjoy the message. God bless you. Today is our 28th anniversary of starting as a church. Yeah, let's... Well, I'll, I'll put these over here, shall I? <laughs> I'll do as I'm told. That's good. And uh, we thought we would do uh, kind of like just a retake what's happened over the last 28 years. Um, so this is, this is our story as, uh, as pastors and as a church in general. So um, why don't we pray, hey, yeah. as we come to it. Father God, we want to thank you for this morning and we pray above all things, above everything else, that Jesus is glorified. We thank you for the work that you have done in us, God. We know that the work has not been completed, but we know that once you begin a good work, you're able to complete it. You are faithful. So we pray, God, as we share the story of what you have done in our life as individuals, in this congregation, and as our church, we give you all the praise. And everyone said, Amen. So this is kind of like our story as, as a church, and you know, you have a story within the life of the church too, and you can learn, and I think it's really important to learn different things. Uh, we were uh, kind of like reflecting as we came away uh, from a, a party, a 50th, last night and uh, we pulled into the driveway and we kind of like parked the car at, at home and uh, Pavey said, you know, like 28 years ago tonight, what, what were we feeling as we were starting a church? And I kind of like said, I, I felt a little bit nervous, <laughs> you know, when God asks you to do something you've never done before, what do you do? Well, you just begin. So this is the story. So in 1991, Pavey and I, uh, with Alex, he was two years old, uh, they put out a call for churches to be planted right throughout Australia. And under the Queensland section, we had a look and I noticed that the, there was two suburbs that had kind of like stood out and that was Graceful and Chelmer. And I just felt this almost like a warmth, you know, uh, internally. And I just thought, oh, well, what's, what's that? And as we prayed about it, we came to the conviction of starting a church in, in Graceful, Chelmer area. And uh, we, we began that journey. But about that time, about six months after that, our senior pastor uh, became very, very unwell and he had to resign. So we kind of like stopped and kind of like put planning the church aside just to be with the church. And that was actually at uh, New Life Assembly in Anala. And uh, waiting for a new senior minister to come in and to kind of like settle in. And uh, that took a, you know, how long did that take? Seven or eight months. S seven or eight months. And then uh, I kind of like felt like God was saying, it's now time to plant the church. 
So I thought, okay, that's good. So this was, this was the prayer, as, as deep as it got. I said, Lord, if you want, you want us to plant a church, you have to speak to Pavey. Because, <laughs> uh, you know, you can't do these things by yourself. So then what happened after that? Uh, well, the following day, I didn't know Jim had prayed this prayer. I didn't know that he'd had this conversation with the Lord. And the following day, I was at home. And I, I can remember it so clearly. I was walking down the back steps towards our laundry, carrying washing, as we do, ladies and, uh, and gentlemen. Sorry. And um, Thank you. I just felt like the Lord said to me, it's time to plant that church. So um, I just waited till Jim came home. And I just felt like the Lord had said that. So when Jim came home, I said to him... I thought we were going to plant a church. I thought we were going to do that. And then he, he told me what the Lord had said to him and what he said to the Lord. And then I told him what the Lord had said to me and what I said to the Lord. And, and then we went on from there. And a uh, bit of a he said, she said moment. <laughs> and, uh, but then, uh, yeah, we were very excited because we knew that the Lord had said it's time. It, it's time to do it. Yeah. And yeah. I think when you have those moments when God is speaking to you, I think it's really crucial that you get confirmation about really, really important stuff. You know, like, a, you don't have to ask God what type of toothpaste to use. I mean, God gives us wisdom and common sense, and everyone knows that we should always use Colgate, all right? So you don't need that, but when you're making a big step for God, for us, we've always asked for that confirmation from paving hearing, me hearing, through the Word, through prayer, or the prophecy that would come that would confirm the word. So with that word, we spoke to our senior pastor and we, we were released to go and start planting a church in this area. And it was really difficult to find a place to have services. I mean, we searched, I think we searched for six months. And then finally we found a uh, place in Allardyce Street. And I think we've got a photo there. And uh, we started... And that's what we call the Graceful Christian Family. Now, the reason why we called the Graceful Christian Family was because our covering church was Glad Tidings Christian Family. And because we were coming from them, they are now uh, a New Hope, Hope, Hope Centre Hope in Brisbane, Bowen Hill. And uh, we said, okay, well, let's just call it Graceful Christian Family. And that's what we did. We started and we had services at 9am and at 6pm. And it was a fantastic building. It's, it's kind of like been pulled down now and they've got units there. And it was air-conditioned and it had seating and it was just, uh, just fantastic. Outdoor toilets. Outdoor toilets, fantastic. Yucky ones. Yeah. But uh, it, it took us, once we found that we could move in, it took us another 40 days so there wouldn't be any objections from the, the neighbourhood we didn't have any car parking. It was off-street car parking. And I kind of like felt, you know, like Moses, you know, oh, 40, a time of testing and waiting. But it, it kind of like, it happened. And uh, that's where we had our first spot. Yeah. And we got the approval and we started on the 11th of July, 1993. Yeah. Who was born after 1993? Can you put your hand up? Thank you, Jim. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I don't believe that at all. I mean, that's a, it's a long yeah. time ago, 1993. Yeah. Well, it gives you a picture of how long ago it was because Alex was three at that point and Jack was a baby. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, we started on 11th of July. Now, 11th of July. Now, at that, um, on that year, 
in the first week of July, so just a few days before we started, there was a church planting conference happening on the Sunshine Coast. And we didn't know about it, um, but someone who had heard we were planning a church arranged for us to get an invite to be part of that. So that was really good of them. Um, and the keynote speaker there was a, a gentleman called Irvin Rutherford. Now, he was a missionary into Asia um, and had uh, he led a big missions organisation in the Asian area. And he had planted churches all over Asia. And he was the keynote speaker there. And one day when we were there, I think the conference went for three days. And one day when we were there, um, he, he was speaking and we were sitting in the back row because I had Jack, we had Jackie with us and she was a baby. And I said to Jim, I want to sit down in the back in case Jackie fusses, makes a bit of a noise or whatever. I don't want to disrupt people so I can take her out if there's anything required. Of course, she was wild, perfect. Wild child, wild. So anyway, so we were in, right down in the back row of this conference and um, at one point after he finished speaking about what he wanted to teach at that, that time, he asked us all to stand and we were going to have a time of prayer. So we stood up and, and so because we were praying so our eyes were closed so we couldn't see what he was doing. So we didn't know he walked from his um, speaking area right down to the back where we were and he laid it he didn't know us at all and he laid a hand one hand on Jim's shoulder and one hand on my shoulder he stood behind us and he began to prophesy over us and he and it was the only prophecy that happened that day and he prophesied that God was about to build a lighthouse God was about to put a light up and this was about to be birthed and and he was prophesying over us so we were really excited because we had really sensed that God had told us to do this. But then again, that, like you are saying before, that confirmation, that word of prophecy yeah. came. Um, so, yeah, that was really good, wasn't it? It was, yeah, very it's, good. It's, mm. really, it's really interesting as an area because, as you know, there are many churches down Oxley Road. And uh, back in 1974, when we had the flood, there was uh, the Bible college that was situated here in Graceville, but they relocated that. But from that time, there hadn't been a Pentecostal or charismatic church in the area. And I just found that quite amazing for such a long period of time. You know, 20 years, there wasn't a Pentecostal church. And uh, I think that ha happens for all sorts of reasons. But, you know, when God puts something in your heart, you just, you've got to go for it. You get that conf confirmation, you move forward. Now, before they sent us out, and this is... In your journey of life, when something bad is happening to you, something strange happens to you, don't, don't be fretful. Just kind of like take a step back and say, okay, God, what's happening in this deal? So before they, the church actually sent us out, they called us forward in a church service and they, uh, we came under their covering and they gave us four things which were... Uh, an overhead projector. Who remembers overhead projectors? Yeah. An overhead projector screen. Okay. We had to write our own overhead projections. So we had overhead projector, overhead projection screen. We had communion ware, which we still use today, and also two offering bags. And then they laid hands on us and they blessed us and they said, the Lord be with you, go. And that was it. And so uh, our, the senior pastor, he prayed for us, and that was just a, a fantastic thing. And so we started on that 11th of July, and we started with 25 people who were family and friends and everyone that we knew that would come, 
and they came. And they, yeah, they wished us well, you know. Uh, um, a boss that I used to work with, he says, good luck, Jim. And I thought, okay, I'll take anything you can get. I'll take the blessing of the Lord and I'll take all the good luck I can get. So, and uh, as you saw, we did two services uh, at 9 a.m. I asked a very good friend of mine, would he come and play keyboards for us uh, in the morning? And that is Jose. And he is still playing keyboards for us today. What a wonderful blessing you and Marta have been uh, from the very beginning. So Jose would play in the morning and then he would actually play in the afternoon uh, at a Spanish work and he couldn't come into the evening. So then I got to play guitar and sing all by myself. Yeah. And we prayed very quickly for lots of musicians to come. So that's, that's how it kind of like went. And uh, we, we were there for... Uh, you know, a, a good period of time. And when we took up a cash offering, because we had cash offerings back then, only cash offerings there, those offerings that we received, they paid for the rental of the premise and they paid for the electricity. And the, uh, the interesting thing, the only way that we could get into this building was a week-to-week type of uh, rental. So uh, we would faithfully pay the rent and uh, pay for the electricity. And from the very beginning of starting the church, we decided to support missionaries. And the first missionary that we supported was Sven Goranson, Pastor Sven and Marianne Goranson, and they were in Papua New Guinea. And I always think it's absolutely amazing that from way back then, there has always been someone from PNG in the life of the church. So God has a great sense of humor and, yeah, a special connection. And uh, so uh, the senior minister laid hands on us and we, we started out and it was great. And then after nine months, the owner of the premises came to us and said, I'm sorry, uh, I've leased the building full time. You've got two weeks and you've got to get out. So we were kind of like, oh my goodness, what are we going to do? It, it took us ages to find this place. But God was gracious and we found a place, an empty uh, office at uh, 606 Sherwood Road in Sherwood. And if we've got a photo of it there, that's just down from the petrol station. And so we were in this where that white section is and that was the doorway and it was just such a fantastic time. We were so excited. We were now on the main road and uh, it was a little bit bigger and still had air conditioning and it was all kind of like set up every week. We're very excited and uh, we just paid for signage to go on that that front door there and to put a sign out the front and uh, it was at this time we decided to change the name from Graceful Christian Family to Riverside because we were no longer being graceful. (laughs) So uh, there wasn't any divine revelation about calling it Riverside, it was just that we were in the Riverside Loop, and I thought, well, if we get moved from Graceful to Sherwood, we could go down to Corinda, then back to, to Chelmer, then back to Graceful, and we'd have to change our name every time. So I said, we're just going to call ourselves Riverside. So that's the deep spiritual reason for, for doing it. But it is a cool name, Riverside Christian Church. So we, uh, we were in this fantastic building. We were so excited. Actually, can you show the next photo? 
Here's a photo of Jose and myself. <laughs> and that's actually in that building. Boy, I, I look a lot thinner there, and so do you, Jose. <laughs> and we used to wear ties when we preached back then. Ooh, very serious, very serious. So we, we got into this, uh, into this building, and we just put the sign out the front there, and I was standing back, honestly, I was standing back on the path, and I'm admiring, you know, Riverside Church and services, and, and I thought, oh, this is so cool, I'm so excited. And just then, a guy who was walking his dog walked up the street, and he looked pretty scruffy, and, I, and he said, hi, my name's Peter Jones. I said, oh, hi, Peter, how are you? Uh, he said, I am the scout leader at Sherwood Scout Group that meets in Graceful. And he says, we have a hall. And he says, if you would ever like to rent it, please let us know and uh, we can do that. And I said, oh, thank you, Peter, very much. And in my head, I'm thinking, we just paid $500 for advertising. <laughs> we ain't moving for nothing, baby, you know. So I smiled and, you know, keep moving, keep moving. Well, nine months later... The landlord rang us up and said, uh, get out. So then I very humbly rang Peter and said, oh, Peter, uh, Jim Cameron, uh, you said you had a hall that you'd have to hire. And uh, he says, oh, uh, yes, yes. I said, Is it, can we hire it? He goes, yes, yes. So then uh, we moved into Young Street, Graceful. Young Street Graceful. Okay, your go. Yeah, so, oh, we've got a photo, great. There it is there. Now, it was 17 steps upstairs to get into the hall, um, which didn't matter because for most of us, because we were young, but there was a beautiful lady called Estella Holland, who some of you may still remember, a beautiful woman of God who uh, wasn't strong or well, um, and she struggled up those stairs, people helped her, but it, I've just always so amazed by her faithfulness. She never missed a Sunday and she would struggle up those stairs even no matter how hard it was. Um, now, yes, yeah, so I said there were 17 steps. It was a little bit um, oldish and one of the walls leaned. I always wondered how long it would take before it fell onto the house next door because it leaned out. I went, we went past the other day and I took this photo and, and the wall's been fixed, which is good. Um, but, you know, it we had room for children downstairs and Sister Daya was one of the first people in the church. She's here today and she helped me with doing kids ministry downstairs. Um, we did down there. Some of the um, pillows are here and yes. Angela and her brothers were part of our kids ministry. Isn't that amazing? The longevity of, you know, the Bible says one generation shall declare your works to another. And so, you know, it's so amazing when you see generations, you see faithful Christian people um, as adults who are part of the children's church at the time um, so we were there for five years and to be frank no one wanted to kick us out no one was wanting to lease anything out from under us it just wasn't a building attractive to anybody can I, can I just say yeah. uh, that the Pillay family are the oldest attending not your old but the longest attending family besides kind of like us and, and Sister Daya, Sister Daya. And, so and, uh, why don't you Barillas. thank them for being yeah. faithful attenders <laughs> And Angela was just a little girl. Mm. So God bless you guys. And none of you look any older. And none, none of, of you look older. older. Just Jim and I. Okay, yeah. sorry. I just had to say that. 
And uh, anyway, during this time, Jim and I were at home one day, it was a Saturday afternoon, and we were listening to some preaching on a tape, so it tells you how long ago it was, we were in tapes, and uh, the preacher was Pastor David Cartledge, who's gone to be with the Lord now, but he was an amazing man of God, and um, he was preaching about something, and he said something about Ezra, and I, I thought to myself, oh, I didn't know that, I didn't know that about Ezra. And I just in that moment, you know, you have those moments, this doesn't happen all the time, but just in that moment, I felt the Lord say to me, go to Bible college because you are going to need to know a lot more than you know. So it was kind of exciting to feel told to do something, but maybe a tad rebukish. Um, so I said to Jim, turn the tape off, turn the tape off. And he, he, so he did. And I said, the Lord just told me to go to Bible college. Now, Jim had gone to Bible college 10 years earlier. He had um, sensed the call from the Lord in... 1987 to go to Bible college and so at the start of 1988 we moved to Townsville so Jim could be full-time in Bible college um, and so this is 10 years later and I said to him the Lord's just told me to go to Bible college now by this time we had two children we had already started the church so I said to Jim I'm going to look for options part-time options see I said I definitely want he said yeah you're going to do it if you feel the Lord said it I said I'll find a way that works really easily with the family with the church and everything and Jim said if you're going to go to college go properly um, that's not to say that other ways aren't properly, but like he had gone full time and he wanted me to have that same opportunity and experience. So it was very, very good, good husband that way. So the one I found. I, I'm agreeing with you. Oh, what, what, what was the name of the Bible college, the uh, deep theological Bible college? Should I ask Jackie what the name of the Bible college I went to? It was called Strike Force. And Jackie, Jackie's description of it is pew, 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 pew. Um, the reason why I, I, I want to mention the word strike force, because when you're a student, you could go and apply for uh, an exemption for travel on the train. Discounts. Discounts. Mm. And so Pavey went with her strike force ID card to the railway station, and the lady said to her, what part of the military are you involved in? <laughs> <laughs> strike force. Sorry. Well, I was very excited by it because I thought, that's it, God's putting me on the front lines. Very cool. But anyway, um, this was, I really, when I started to pray about where to go to Bible college, I, it just kept coming into my mind, this college in the valley that was under Glad Tidings Christian Family um, called Strike Force. And so I checked, I checked all the Bible colleges and just said, Lord, give me wisdom. But this one went from 8am to 12.30 every day for, from Monday to Friday, so which was the same hours you had had at your college. And so Jim said, right, go for that. They had a mid-year intake because once I felt the Lord had said it, I was very eager to get going. And this had happened in April and they had a mid-year intake in July. So I joined the mid-year intake. And so what we would do is Jim would get the kids, I'd take an early train to the valley. Jim would get the kids organised in the morning and I would be home in time to pick the children up from school. And so we just made it work and, and so it was really good. So I went to, it was really good to be able to go to Strikeforce. Oh, can I just tell you another funny thing? All right. So they did this big missions board at Strike Force. And they said, if you were going to be a missionary, what part of the world would you go to? Because they asked all, all every, you know, everyone. And so people were going, Afghanistan and Uganda and Ecuador and, you know, Turkey. Pavey said she would go to London, Paris and Rome. Oh, and New York, sorry. 
I didn't know it was a presentation. I thought they were just asking. And then on a graduation night, they did a big presentation wall with all the students' names. Oh, this one's going to go to Thailand. This one will go to Africa. And then I saw people looking at the wall and they get to my name, Paris, New York, London. And they're like, oh, but anyway. Says it all, I learned my lesson. Says it all. They need Jesus too. They do. Anyway, so after five years of being in the Scout Hall, we heard that Graceville State School Auditorium um, had become available for hire and it was like low set, so there was no stairs to deal with, better rooms for kids to do kids' ministry and modern kitchen. Everything about it just seemed better. So we ended up moving to there and we started there on the first Sunday of 2000. So it's kind of, it's lovely that it was that Sunday because that's very defining for us, isn't it? Yes. It, it, was, it was amazing to go from one thing to another. And uh, I don't know if you can remember that uh, we actually used to roll up a big piece of carpet and uh, for the kids to play on at the back. And then we would roll it up. I know people are nodding their heads. And then trace it out back. And we used to actually set up the stage every week and sound and drums. And it was just an enormous enormous part of the of work of setting up because we had been you know up to that stage we've been setting up for seven years uh, and you get pretty tired setting up stuff you you really do but you've got to keep pushing through you've got to keep trusting God in that school at that time there was a principal by the name of Ian Hall and uh, Ian was just become such a good friend over the years his brother is actually an Australian Christian Church's pastor in Darwin and he was a, a firm believer in, in Christ too. And so whenever I would ask the principal to do something, he'd just go, yeah, that's good, go and, go and do that. And then they uh, managed to get some money to refurbish the hall because it was actually concrete. There was no uh, uh, ceiling as such, it was just open. And uh, it, was, it was just, you know, it was a very big open area and they asked us what would you do if you were going to refurbish the hall and so we kind of like told them exactly what we would do and as a church we gave was it thirty thousand dollars into the refurbishment of the hall and uh, there is actually a plaque on one of the walls there thanking Riverside Christian Church for their import into the life of the church so uh, into the into the school and so we were there for uh almost 16 years and it was just uh, I don't know if, if you can remember the air conditioning units that we would get in the portable that would you know those ones with the big arms because it got really hot in the hall who remember and I just felt led of God to make sure that I could preach a whole sermon in 30 minutes rather than you know, an hour but then in winter it got really really cold and we brought in gas heaters that you see at cafes and trying to start those things Randall and I just almost lost our minds you know, do you remember that Brad you pressing the button and praying over it start start but that was all all part of the fun of church life I mean you look back now and you laugh do you remember I told you about how we had to move from Allardyce Street to Sherwood Road well the person who kicked us out of the building was actually the senior pastor who had sent us out to go and plant the church originally. 
uh, he had left the ministry and he liked the premise so much that he rented it from underneath us because he'd gone into business. We didn't know it at the time, but you know, like we look back now and we go, well, it doesn't matter what man does to us. God is in control all that time ago. So we, you don't have to be concerned. But we were, you know, we moved into the into Graceful State School and we just had a wonderful time. I remember people giving their life to Christ, the water baptisms that we had in the school, it was pretty exciting. And throughout all that, all those years, every year we took up what we called a miracle offering, believing that God would one day open the way for us to purchase to have our own place of worship. And at the end of August, the last Sunday in August, we encouraged everyone to sow a week's salary into the life of the church for the miracle offering. And we still do that today. And we will be doing it this August. And it is only because of the faithfulness and the generosity and the trust uh, of the church that we are kind of like here today. So we were in the school... uh, for 16 years, but in 2011, at a state conference, I heard that the Queensland government were putting properties on the disposal list, and this was one of them. And uh, this was originally a TAFE language, and they kind of like put it out there, and we were just so excited that the potential of actually having a place of worship of our own. So when we were still in the school, during this time, we would have prayer meetings, um, regular church, we would get together and pray. And you know how you get the prayer cards and we say, what are your prayer requests? I always had two prayer requests. The salvation of my brother, not Kari, he's, he's Christian. My other brother, salvation for my brother and uh, the church to get a permanent home, the church to get a building. And so we would all be praying over all the prayer requests that came out. And so one, one time we were having um, one of these prayer meetings. If those who were still with us, those who were with us still in the school, we'd go into the Oxley room there and we were having prayer meetings and a, a gentleman spoke out a prophecy and he spoke out the scripture from um, Zechariah 4, 6, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. And when he said it, I knew that I knew that that was the Lord's word to us. I knew that God was saying that to us as as a word to us, that it wasn't going to be my might or power. It wasn't going to be by what we could do. It wasn't going to be by someone doing something amazing for us. It wasn't, we didn't have to worry about whether we had the strength or the power. By his spirit, he was going to answer that prayer. And uh, so after that, every single prayer meeting, I said on the card, it has to say Zechariah 4.6. I said, that has to be the foundational because I know that the Lord spoke that to us as a church. And you might notice now when we have prayer meetings and we give the cards, write your prayer requests, we still put that on there. Because even though we're in a building, we're not in a building just to be in a building, are we? We really want the Lord's power to be upon us. So we have always kept that now as our... I knew it was God's word, and so we keep that all the time. Now, the following word, the following verse in Zechariah, verse 7 says this, Zechariah 4, 7, it says, Who are you, O great mountain? Before Zerubbabel, you shall become a plain, and it shall bring forward the top stone amid shouts, grace, grace to it. Now, grace, grace, that expression of those two words, it carries the meaning, God's favour rest upon it. 
See, Zerubbabel was building a, a temple and he had to deal with whatever opposition he had to deal with. But then the scripture came, then the scripture says it shall be, who are you, great mountain? And I want to say to you, as I was praying for people before, if there's a mountain in your life, who are you, a great mountain? Before God, you shall become a plain. And so this, um, this scripture, Zechariah 4, 6, you know, not by might, not by, by, by God's spirit. I pray that over a lot of things now because that is such, I think it's just, we have to really learn to understand that when God's spirit moves, God's spirit moves. And it's not about what we can or can't do. So if there, you know, I want to say to you this morning, if there's something that you need that is really an issue in your life where you are really under a difficult thing, begin to declare Zechariah 4, 6 over it. By my spirit, says the Lord. If you have to walk past a bedroom door of someone in your home, declare that scripture, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord, over what needs to be done or what um, where the enemy is holding some sort of power. So what happened was we would drive... Because for years, we would, you could imagine, we would go around the area and we would pray and we would say, God, where is there a place we can have as a permanent home? We, we would go through Tennyson because that had um, a lot of those kind of, what are they? Warehouse, warehouse type of things. And a lot yeah. of churches used warehouse type buildings. So we thought maybe that's going to be the Lord's answer. So we'd go through Tennyson. Lord, show us, you know, open our eyes to what you have for us, what you want for us as a church. And we would drive down this road. And when the TAFE Language Centre was here... We would go past and we would always say, gee, that looks, that looks like a church. That looks like it could be a good church. But we'd keep driving um, because it was never made available in any way. Um, but anyway, when this building became available and we were able to purchase it, we went through a lot of stuff, Jim will tell you in a moment. But while we were waiting to purchase it and going through deals with governments and banks and all this sort of thing, every time we would drive past, we'd point to it and go, grace, grace. Grace, grace, because we were quite determined, not by might, not by power. The banks might seem mighty, but they're not more mighty than God. The government might seem mighty, it's not more mighty than God. So when all this stuff's going on, we're going, grace, 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 because we felt that this was the place that the Lord had for us. And because grace, grace, they shouted that when they put the last stone on the, um, they put the top stone on the temple, that's when they had people go, grace, grace, God's favour rest upon it. So it's speaking of God's favour resting on what is established. Um, so yeah, we would just go past and go, grace, 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 grace all the time. So I just want to say to you, church, and you know, if you're watching online, whatever is before you, grace, grace it. Grace, grace it. Let the favour and the power of God be on that. And we still say that now because I, I still drop out and go, grace, grace, because we may have a building, but we still want God's power and we still want God's favour and God to do what he has planned to do through us. So, yeah, I'm still grace, gracing everything. Well, you see, we heard in 2011 that it had become available and so we began the process of talking with state government. And in that era that time, uh, as Pavey is saying, grace, grace, uh, we had a contract actually on the building for $2 million. But we then had a change of government and a new government came in and we're also dealing with local government and it was just an absolute nightmare. Uh, They they actually reneged on the contract that we had and they kind of like said, no, we're not going to do that, we're going to put it out to tender. And as we are praying, as uh, you know, and, and I've got to admit this here, 
I mean, that's 2011. We didn't get in here till 2015. As we're going to, you know, Indrapilly Shopping Town, Pavey is saying all the time, grace, 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 grace. Well, after about three, three years, I didn't even want to pray over my meal, you know, because I was just like, I don't want to say grace one more time. But then we would get a, we'd get a win and then we'd be going, grace, grace. But Pavy, she stuck to her guns and was grace, grace all the time. So we, we kind of like dealt with the government. We dealt with the banks. The banks were really difficult. It got to the stage, because uh, we had kept all our records for years. I mean, testimony to uh, Holly and Paul's work as treasurers, uh, audited, and we, we kind of like gave them all the figures and uh, they, they had questions like this. Well, you've got X amount of people in the church. What about if X amount of people move out of the church? Well, I said, well, that's just a great opportunity for more people to move into the church. Uh, but the banks, don't, they don't get that. And then they said, well, uh, the last question that I answered was, how far are you moving from your original position? It's like 400 metres down the road. And I said to the broker, you tell the banks this. We're moving 400 metres down the road. Do not ask me another question. I mean, we probably had over 100 questions over a period of, you know, months. I said, tell them they can keep their money. And the next day they said, well, you've got the money. It's all good. <laughs> Sometimes you've just got to tell the banks they can keep what they've got. We don't need it. God is our supply. And so it was just one of those incredible moments. And so... On May 27, 2014, we actually purchased this property, this building, which was an exciting time. Now, originally, this building, it was uh, 3.2 meters up the ceiling, uh, and in the middle, there were pylons right down the middle here. And we kind of like had to make a decision. Are we going to just leave it? and come in but if you you know with pylons with the roof and a low ceiling and if you've ever been in a church with a pillar in the middle of the church it's just kind of like someone doing this you know it's just like oh that's annoying we we found out to take the roof off and to put a new roof on it was going to cost uh seven hundred thousand dollars just to do that and so after praying for you know all those years for a building we got it, we decided to demolish the building and we pulled it all down. So there's some photos. This is what it looked like on the inside of the building. Oh, you can't see it so much, but uh, if you can remember uh, people demolishing the building, Alex demolishing, Melina, Jackie, uh, Jose, uh, I mean, uh, lots of people, Kari. I mean, Kari worked... Uh, non-stop, uh, Brad and Alyssa, I mean, there was uh, Randall, uh, it was just amazing, just a constant kind of like, boom. so we actually just completely wiped it out, and uh, you know, at that time, Corinna and Jose came, Corinna was an architect, and basically worked it out, so we, we just kept the center part of the church, everything else was totally demolished, and then on November 20, 2015, we finished the building and we had a miraculous builder, a Christian man who built over 30 churches 
who was incredibly generous to us as a church, the work that they had done. We actually built this building for $1.4 million, which was just an outstanding price to get what we've got. And so, after reflecting over all those years of, of 28 years, I tell you, it's incredibly humbling for us to see that so many people would stand by us, walk with us, go through those challenges, those deep times. Um, I remember once in a, a prayer meeting in Oxley, before we knew anything about this, as we're praying and fasting, Lena uh, said to us at the, at, at the end of the meeting, I don't know if you can remember this, but this is ingrained in my heart. She turned to us and she said, Pastor, we are supporting you 100%. We are behind you. And you know, when she said that, it was like God just went, pow, you've got this. And we are just so grateful to be able to be pastors of the church for this period of time. It's just, it's just a wonderful, wonderful thing. And we give God all the praise and all the glory and all the honor. And so, you know, thank you, Jesus. When, when we look at this and when I look at the amount of time that has taken to get to here today, 28 years is a long time. But if you look in the Bible and you see the timelines of different things, God takes his time in doing a good work. When you read the book of Acts, you can read it in a couple of hours, but you know the timeline from the beginning of book of Acts to the end is actually 32 years. We read the book of Acts and we want it all done in 32 days. You know, Abraham had the promise that he would have a child by Sarah. It was 25 years until that took place. That's a long, long time. Moses, 40 years in the wilderness before he could take the people to the edge of the, you know, the Jordan to cross over into the promised land. Jesus when he began his ministry, if you like, to some degree, as a child, debating with those in the temple at 13 years of age, and then it's almost another 20 years before he fulfills his call and his mission. So I'm saying this to say to us as a church and, and, and to you as individuals, when God puts something in your heart, if it's a vision, if it's you know, that, that hope of something to take place. You know, keep going forward. We, as we were pastoring the church, and I've said that this before, about uh, 10 years into ministry in the life of the church, a senior leader came to us and says, there's a church of 500 people we would like you and Pavey to take as senior pastors. And I just said, I, ca I can't do it. God's told us to do this. And then at the 15-year mark, they came back to us and said, look, there's another church, 600 people and a school, a thriving school. We want you to take it on. And, and I just said, we can't do it. That's not what God's called us to be. And then after 20 years, no one called. No one, not even Lifeline. No, no, we were calling them. But the thing was that it, when God puts something in your heart to do, you have to hang on to it. You've got to push through to it. 
You've got to stand and you've got to say those words, grace, 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 grace. May God's favor be on this thing. I can't see it yet, but it's there. Because as God begins to do that, that calling in your heart for whatever it is, he'll bring it about. God is not in a rush to do things. We're in a rush to do things. And, and if you've got a family member who's lost and, and doesn't know Jesus, speak over them, grace, grace. Put your hand, like Pavel was saying, uh, you know, on that door of where they reside or on the pillow, you know, and say, grace, grace, favor come to them, oh God. Let favor come to them. If you're in a work situation, it's difficult. Just speak grace over that thing. I speak grace over that. If it's health, you speak grace, grace, favor of God come. Because I know when God puts into our heart this vision, this desire, this calling, you know what? God is going to do it. We just have to kind of like push through and make sure that it happens. Now, 28 years, uh, what now? Well, our story hasn't finished. I think our story has just really begun. You know, a few years ago, Pavey and I went overseas. We had long service leave. And I've told this story, but I'll say it again in case those haven't heard it. When we went overseas, I went to to walk to the top of Ben Nevis, which is the highest mountain in the UK, 1,375 metres from the bottom of sea level right to the top. And I prayed, God, if you want us to stay at Riverside, you have to make it very clear to us. And so we just set out, and along the way, we would come to a coffee shop that was called Riverside Coffee Shop. And I think, God, are you, are you speaking to us? And then we, we would come to a hotel and it would have Riverside Hotel. Then we were at uh, my mum's hometown and there's a church there called Riverside Christian Church in a little village in Scotland. Now we knew that it was there but we still went and you know, visited. And I think there was uh, one other place, there was a sticker on a wall where we stopped to look at a castle at Loch Lomond, a Loch Ness, and it had Riverside, uh, uh, what was it, Riverside uh, Concert. I'm saying, God, are you, are you speaking to us? You know, isn't it funny how you ask God and he sticks things in your face, Pastor Ken, and you still ask him? Ben Nevis is the highest mountain in the UK. And it's actually my family's mountain. The Cameron clan actually owned Ben Nevis. And so I said, God, just one more time. I don't know if you've ever said this. Just tell me one more time. Make it clear one more time. We pulled into Fort William and it was raining as it does in Scotland, 364 days of the year. And uh, they said, don't go. Oh, it's very dangerous. If it's not clear, don't go because you'll, you'll die. You'll fall off the edge of the mountain and you'll be dead. So we came out. This is true. The rain stopped. The clouds opened. And I said, I'm going to do it. So I took Pavy into town and she did some shopping, which is just so unusual for her. And I came back and I parked the car and I set up to the mountain. And I'm praying, God, make it very clear. I got up to the first part of the mountain and there on a sign it said, that way, nothing else. 
I come around the corner, got nearly to the top, and the clouds opened up, and I'm looking for a sign, and there's nothing. I get to the peak, and there is a stone monument that was dedicated by the local Bible study group, all right, in Fort William. And guess where they were from? Fort William. No, they weren't from Riverside. So I got to the top of the mountain, and I'm praying, God, give me one. I'm telling you folks, hand on heart, this is what happened. I come down the mountain. I think it took me eight hours. It was a long, long walk. I said, well, I don't think the Lord has spoken to me. I, I got in the car. I opened the door, and there was a sign, and I've got a photo of it, that it says this, where I parked my car before I walked to the top of the mountain. Riverside, all pathway. And I said, can I just have one more sign? No, I didn't. It, it was just amazing. And I know that God has called us to be part of this church. I know that God has called us to see many people saved, many people healed, many people find their calling and their destiny, destiny and serving God. And as you're doing that, you just keep shouting grace, grace, because I know it's going to happen. So would you stand with me this morning? We just wanted to share the story so that you could know where we're coming from. If you're here this morning and there's something that's a challenge in your life, why don't you just put your hand on your heart? It doesn't matter what it is, because I can tell you God can do anything and everything because all things are possible. All things are possible with God. His capacity is unbelievable because He's God. we just got to show our faithfulness and God will, God will do it. I'm still believing for incredible things to take place. Still believing. And I, I want us to say together, grace, grace. Grace, grace. Grace, grace. Lord God, you see everyone here this morning with their hand upon their heart. And Lord, we speak grace, grace. Lord, whether it's for a family member, for a work colleague, God, for health, whatever, we speak the word grace, grace. Favor to it in the name of Jesus. If you've never surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, then you have the opportunity to respond to His grace. It's by acknowledging that you're separated from God because of your sin. And God loves you. He loves you so much that He sent His Son to come and die for you, to take away your sin, that you would come into a new relationship with Him. It just comes by a simple prayer where it says that if we confess our sin, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sin, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, that if we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that Jesus is Lord, we will be saved. And if that's you this morning, I encourage you, to say, Jesus is Lord, Jesus is Lord, and allow the grace of God to flood your being because He can change your life. He can meet your circumstances because He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Thanks for listening today. I hope you subscribe to the podcast so you can be inspired weekly. God bless and have a great day.